how we eat does not dictate how good we are as people, how virtuous we are, or whatever you want to call it. Hello, creative souls. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Never Wear Boring Socks. I'm Maria Ramsey. And I'm Anna Bartard. Hey, Anna. Hey, Maria. I have a question for you. Well, I love questions, so ask away. That's perfect. What socks are you wearing? I love that question. I'm wearing a pair... Well, I I am enjoying these socks because the brand of the socks is called Happy Socks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know those socks. And I was feeling like that was appropriate today. I was in the mood for some happy socks. So that's why I chose these socks. Sorry, I'm going a little out of order this morning. But that's okay. what they look like is they're striped. And, but some of the stripes have, like, stripes within the stripes. There's a Ooh, lot of stripy things going exciting. on. And the dominant colors are, like, yellow and red and blue kind of primary color thing going on cool yeah. i was just they, i'm very happy yeah they're, they're happy socks i was in the mood for some happy socks yeah what socks are you wearing maria my socks are gray they're <laughs> the opposite of your colorful happy socks. they do have some little teal thingamajigs on them these little triangle patterns that are cute I think it's teal and black, maybe. I can't see my feet right now. They're under my desk. But, like, triangly stripe situations. And there is a hole where my pinky toe is on my left foot. So I keep accidentally sticking my toe through the hole. (laughs) But it's a gray and rainy day, and the gray socks kind of match that. But actually, the reason I'm wearing these is because... It actually is cold enough here to wear socks now. So I put these on last night after I showered because my feet were chilly, which is the first time I've had to do that in a long time instead of just putting on a pair of socks for recording the podcast. It's exciting. The seasons are changing. A chill is in the air. (laughs) Exactly. What are we talking about today, Maria? We are talking about the fact that food is not a moral issue. How we eat does not dictate how good we are as people, how virtuous we are, or whatever you want to call it, because there seems to be this idea that's planted in our brains and watered and showered with sunlight i don't know i'm getting very into this metaphor (laughs) (laughs) anyway this idea that food is somehow related to morality or being a good person is like very embedded in our culture and it's very problematic so that's kind of what we're talking about today 
Yeah, I'm super excited to get into this topic because I when you when you talk about that, my mind immediately knows what you're talking about, but I admittedly mm-hmm. have not spent that much time thinking about this issue. And so but when you articulate it, I'm like, yes, this is something that we definitely need to be talking about. So I'm, ex- right? I'm excited. It's something we're all familiar with. Right. Yeah. It's definitely true. And the reason that this is something that I have been thinking about is because I like to eat healthy food and I pay attention to what foods make me feel good and what foods make me not feel good. And then I make choices based on that. Like I know that if I eat, gluten and dairy, I feel gross. And that doesn't mean that those are bad foods, but that does mean that I usually choose not to eat them. I always choose not to eat gluten because it makes me feel terrible, and I usually choose not to eat dairy as well. And I've gotten a lot of comments from people that are like, oh, you're so good for eating that way or for like not eating the ice cream or whatever. You have so much self-control or like, oh, good for you. And it's really That always strikes me as a strange comment because I'm not trying to be a good person. I'm just trying to, like, make my body feel okay. Right. Well, yeah, and I relate to this, too, because, again, I've talked talked about this a little bit, but because, like, I come from a family where... My mom is a physician and my dad's big into like fitness and nutrition. I get a lot of like different messages about like eating well, which Mm -hmm. is really good. And I like really have appreciated that knowledge that I've accumulated. Um, And I consider myself someone who's pretty conscious about what they eat. But sometimes that can really get in my way when I start beating myself up over whatever dessert I ate because it was quote unquote bad that I did that like Mm -hmm. exactly it's like this language that we use and we feel like icky if we chose to eat that other piece of cake or whatever even if that's just like what we were wanting to eat then it's just yeah it's silly but it's really hard to like undo that way of thinking right because there's so much we're like so conditioned to think that way and it's reinforced all the time. And I think language is one of the main ways we do that. Talking about, like, oh, you're being good. You're not having an extra piece of cake. Or talking about how you regret eating something. Or even calling things guilty pleasures. Like, that's a big term. And I know it doesn't always actually mean that you feel guilty about it. You know, sometimes it just means, like, things that are like, I don't know, lower quality or something that you enjoy. But I just, I really dislike that term, guilty pleasures, because I, like, why does pleasure have to be guilty? Right. Why, do you why have, is that yeah. an association that we feel the need to make? Yeah, like, being guilty about the things you enjoy is silly. I think you should be right. proud of the just things enjoy you enjoy. Them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you need to eat chocolate cake for every meal every day. But when you do choose to eat it, I think like it's much more beneficial to our health and wellness to eat it in a really like happy way that you're really enjoying and being grateful for this 
delicious thing that you're putting in your body instead of being like, oh, I'm going to regret this later. It's going to make me not feel good or not look good. Yeah. Because I think that our language and how we think about things has such a strong impact on our lives. Yeah. Well, and this is making me think of um, the conversation we had with Alicia Hunter just a couple episodes ago when she was talking about how um, one of the best teachings she got when she was like learning about Ayurveda was someone said to her, it's better to eat a McDonald's meal completely mindfully than to eat the perfect Ayurvedic meal really rushed. Right. And so, and I think that kind of comes into this idea that if you're approaching your food with a really positive attitude, it's going to to nurture your body in a way that would be different if you felt shameful about what you were eating. Right. And I think that's true in areas other than food, too. I think, like, the, the energy and the intention and the attitude with which we approach something has a very big effect on the outcome, sometimes more so than, like, the components of that thing that you're doing if you try to break it down into calories or fats or whatever. Yeah, and I think a lot of this also has to do with our focus on bodies and how I think when we think of food, we automatically think of what it's doing to our bodies, but we kind of forget this. Yes, this, exactly. Yeah, we kind of forget, like, the mind-body connection, which I think is really important. And it definitely plays into eating as well as exercising and things like that. How you're treating your body is going to affect how you treat your mind and vice versa. And so how you how your body is going to accept the food that you're putting into it is going to is going to be affected by how your mind is interpreting that food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the mind-body connection is very, very powerful. We talked about that a little with your mom, yeah. too. So I think, I think this issue of food as this moral thing has kind of sprung up from that obsession with with bodies but also this separation between the body and the mind and this mm, treatment yeah. of the body is this separate entity or thing that we have to treat in this separate way i don't know what what i really find interesting about this is i think a lot of people have these have an attitude towards their bodies that their body and i'm super guilty of this is the body is some kind of other and you regard mm-hmm. the body as this thing that's separate from you or at least when you're thinking about it it feels that way because you're thinking what should i do for my body and what am i putting into my body and how is it going to affect my body and what is my body going to look like but like your body is part of you i could mm-hmm. i could go on about the origins <laughs> of this issue it goes back to like plato but anyway i think viewing your body as not just this thing that you have to carry around with you every day, but this also this really exciting part of you that you get to nurture. Mm -hmm. I think that can really revolutionize this issue and how we view food. Yeah. I like that you brought that up about how it's related to kind of a separation between mind and body and 
Yeah. I think even even if you do kind of think of your body as somewhat separate from some other part of you, from your mind or your soul or like however you think about yourself as a being, like it's still a part of you, right? like you said. Right. Maybe it is kind of a different part of you, but that doesn't mean that it's totally separate from you and you like you still need to have a relationship with it. Right. I mean, you're not going to get another body. This is the only body you have. And so unless we have multiple bodies. Exactly. But anyway, <laughs> in this lifetime, you only have right, this one body. Right. In this lifetime, <laughs> you have this body. And That's all we know about for sure. Right. And I think sometimes that perspective makes us think, well, then we need to do this and this and this about food and exercise because we have to treat our body in this way. But uh, I feel like that attitude is so unproductive because it creates this like barrier between us and our bodies, like this, this certain ideal that we want to attain, but our body isn't necessarily there yet. And mm-hmm. I think we need to accept our bodies as what they are and be really at home in them and recognize, I, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but I think kind of having a better relationship with our bodies and recognizing that it's part of us just as much as our mind and our souls are, I think that can change how we look at food. But I think this this mm-hmm. food, body, mind connection is, you can't really talk about one without the other. Yeah, I agree. I think it definitely has a lot to do with how we view our bodies. And for those of us who are health conscious and are trying to make decisions that are going to make our bodies feel better and be healthier, like that intention is a good one, but then sometimes we can take it too far. And we've talked about this a little bit, like going too far into wellness, getting too dogmatic and getting into orthorexia and sort of that world. Um, it's, yeah, it's not productive. Right. Like you said, once you get too, too concerned about all the little details. Yeah. So where do you think this idea of food being this kind of, idea that has some sort of morality behind it or some sort of baggage where do you think that is coming from i think it comes from a lot of places and i think a lot of it does have to do with how we view bodies kind of like what we were just talking about um and for one thing i think it has to do with a lot of our perception of body image and our like our tendency to be a fat phobic culture in general. And we think that smaller, thinner bodies are always better. And the messages that we've been taking in for many years have to do with like certain foods and certain amounts of foods and calories make your body thinner. So if you eat this way, therefore you will be thinner, which means you are a better person because like you're healthier and you're taking care of yourself and you look better i think a lot of it kind of comes out of that desire to look a certain way 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Food and eating behaviors that we associate with looking that way. Yeah. And uh, I think what's so complicated about this issue is that not only is there this idea that food, like what food you eat makes you good or bad and how you look makes you good or bad or whatever, which is very problematic, but also the fact that nutrition and what foods contain what health benefits is still a topic that's really complicated and complex Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have different ideas about what food is nutritious and what kind of food you should be eating everybody has a different yeah and so on one hand i think it makes this idea of getting away from food as a moral issue more difficult because you're questioning all the time not only are you are you saying well you let's say you were really confident in what foods you thought were good for you and what foods you thought were quote unquote bad for you. But even when you, you got to a place where you ate the bad foods in moderation and you felt good about it when you did. And so you were kind of getting away from this idea of food as a moral issue. That in and of itself is a really difficult goal. It's a hard place to get. But mm-hmm. like if you also are questioning what food contains what nutritional value and then all the time you're like well maybe this is good but maybe it's bad i'm not really sure should i be eating this now or not i mean the whole nutrition thing makes it even more complicated Mm -hmm. and there's just so many messages coming at us about nutrition all the time and so much new research coming out and i think that makes it even more complicated and i think one way to remedy this in a way is to go back to this idea of of, um intuitive eating which we've talked about a Mm -hmm. little bit because i think that kind of speaks to this idea that what's most important is listening to what your body needs and that's what you should be eating and it doesn't it there's not any good or bad behind it it's just what your body needs to be nurtured by at that point in time um Mm -hmm. but no i think it's this this crazy combination of diet culture and fat phobic culture mixed with misconceptions and not necessarily misconceptions but confusion about nutrition and health Mm -hmm. and it just makes this a super complicated topic and a really individualized journey i think yeah i agree and yeah i definitely think diet culture has a lot to do with it too that you mentioned And I think that has to do with both the nutrition side of it and the body image side of it. And kind of depending on exactly what what pieces of diet culture we're looking at. But I mean, there's all these companies and people capitalizing on our insecurities and specifically making us feel bad about ourselves in order to sell us stuff that's going to improve us like buy this special meal plan and you'll be skinnier and your life will be amazing and i think that's also related to the our tendency to compare ourselves to other others in so many different ways and kind of how we use that to measure our success and how we feel about ourselves because if we see somebody else who looks like they're eating all the really healthy foods and then we feel like we're not, like, 
eating as healthfully as they are, then we start to think we don't have as much self-control as they do, or we're not as good of a person as they are, and things like that. Yeah. No, I think that that aspect of comparison is a huge influencer of this issue. And I don't know exactly what to say about it, because comparison is so hard not to fall into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't That's know. So true. I mean, this is a whole topic that we could get into on another episode. Um, and I don't know if I have any concrete advice to give in regards to resisting comparing yourself to others. Um, because I think, I think it's natural, but I think, mm-hmm. again, I think it comes down to this conception, this idea that what you eat makes you either good or bad. And so then comparison just heightens that idea. Um, so I think maybe just getting at the root of the problem and recognizing that food is not influencing your degree of virtue then Mm -hmm. that comparison could i guess have a less of an effect in in your life but that in and of itself is also just super difficult to to reconcile with i guess yeah well and i think one of the reasons we use this as a way to compare ourselves to others is because we're always looking for external validation of our success or our feeling of worth and it like I think it's uncomfortable and difficult for a lot of us to find those things within ourself without looking for things outside of ourself and I just think that's part of being human is that's something we all kind of have to learn is how to find those things within ourselves. Yeah. But it takes practice. <laughs> yeah. And this is making me think of um, some things I've been talking about in my classes. I'm taking a lot of classes right now that are kind of related to like women's and gender studies and how we view other people based on societal constructions of like gender mm-hmm. and race and things like that. And one term that has come up in my classes is this idea of unlearning. And mm-hmm. I think unlearning these societal expectations of measuring yourself based on what food you eat and judging yourself is how we're going to kind of dismantle these expectations. But unlearning is a really personal and internal process. I think it's something that we really Mm -hmm. need to challenge ourselves to do, and there's not one way to do it. But I think going out of your way to get out of your comfort zone and, and challenge these ideas is the best way to start changing the conversation around this. Like if you're, yeah. if you're eating lunch with someone and, and you get a, a salad or something and they get pasta or whatever, and they're like, Oh, you're so good or whatever. I mean, you can, you can, kind of respond in a way that that forces them to think differently about that that conception or perspective yeah 
I think that one thing that we can do, some concrete action that we can take, is to question the assumptions that we're making about ourselves and others in relation to food and our diet and body image. So, like, maybe even if that's happening and your friend is eating pasta and you're eating a salad and they say that, you might even kind of have the same reaction just because that's what you're conditioned, even if it's not what you intellectually believe. I think that's true with a lot of our kind of implicit biases and sort of the ideas that we've picked up over time. Um, So I think it's just really good to pay attention to all those reactions that you have to things and assumptions that you're making and then question them when they come up and be like, well, why, why do I think that eating a salad is better than eating pasta? Is it because I feel like the pasta is going to make me gain weight? Or because the pasta is going to actually make me not feel good based on past experience. Or, like, just where that, where's that idea coming from? Yeah. And, and I think also I agree, like, a situation like that would be a good time to have a thoughtful discussion about it and be like, well, I'm not trying to be good. I just know that this will make me feel better this afternoon than if I ate something else. So I'm choosing to do that. And I think it's also good to try not to be too reactive when we're trying to start conversations like that, because I know, like for myself, I have so many strong opinions about this. So if somebody says something to me like, oh, you're being so good because you're eating that, I have like all these emotions rush up that I want to like, give them this whole sermon on <laughs> how food is not a moral issue, like all the stuff that we've been talking about today. But sometimes that's not really the right setting, and that's yeah. just going to turn somebody off, and they're going to think I'm crazy, and they're not going to want to eat lunch with me anymore. <laughs> right. I'm glad you acknowledge that. I mean, sometimes just like the really little comments are the ones that make people think rather than the big speeches. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I wasn't trying to be good. This is just what I wanted to eat. And just kind of right. like brushing it off. And then that, I mean, that makes them think, you know, them that it, it makes them kind of be like, well, that's interesting. That's a different perspective than I've heard before. I mean, yeah. this idea of like, oh, you're so good. You're eating salad or whatever. That's so ingrained in us. Like we hardly right. ever question that. So just for someone to even say like, that wasn't my intention is just a stimulus to start questioning these assumptions. Yeah, it's a very gentle yeah, kind of push back on that belief without feeling like making that person feel attacked. Yeah, exactly. Because we and or they probably don't want to listen to your whole speech about <laughs> food and whatever. But if they did, they would they would ask you for it. Or they would be listening to this podcast instead. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think if someone told told someone else that that they were good for eating eating their greens and the response they received was a speech on how food is not a moral issue that would be very unexpected right <laughs> and that's probably like they probably did not intend anything right unhelpful by that comment that is just what's ingrained in all of us exactly and you know even for myself who has all these very strong opinions about this there have been times when I kind of just like go along with it and because it is so ingrained. Yeah. 
and it sometimes feels natural. Right. I think what this comes down to is having, when we're questioning these things and having conversations with others, is to really just have compassion for the people that we're talking to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we need that in any discussion we're having currently. Yes, There's definitely. such a lack of that right now. Um, but people are not always going to agree with you. People are going to have... Some people, this idea is very ingrained in them, but they're willing to question it like us, and others, it's ingrained in, and they find comfort in this idea. So it's important to recognize that people are coming at this from different perspectives, and when we have compassion when discussing it, then I think we can get further. I definitely agree. And I think having compassion for ourselves also is really important, and allowing ourselves to feel the icky feelings if we feel guilty about eating something and then like having compassion for ourselves and not beating ourselves up about having those feelings or about eating the thing but just being like okay that happened right well and i oh i'm so i mean i could probably tell you several times when that feeling of guilt has bubbled up in me over like the last week you know what i mean i mean it's Mm -hmm. so it's so internalized right and something i've one thing i'm trying to tell myself it's like well you can't change what you just ate like right it's done it happened so worrying about it now is not going to help you and that's been one thing that is helping me a little bit try to get away from that and saying i mean if you're Worrying about it, too, is going to make it harder for your body to digest that food because it affects, again, mind-body connection. Right. So being positive with what kind of food you're eating is going to make it healthier automatically anyway. Yeah. Well, and stress, particularly, in my experience, has a huge relationship to my digestive health anyway and, like, my health in general. but. Just for a little example, I, so I was at this permaculture workshop earlier in the spring. I was there for two weeks, and at every single meal, there were gluten-free, vegan, baked goods. And since I don't normally eat gluten and dairy, this was, like, very exciting to have all these baked goods at every meal. (laughs) And they were delicious, so I took advantage of them. And it was great, and I enjoyed them. And... There was way more sugar and processed food than I normally eat ever. And I felt really good while I was there. And I felt really good when I got home. And the, when my kind of digestive issues started flaring back up again and other health things were flaring up, I connected it back to stress levels. And that kind of happens every time. And like... Well, a few weeks ago, I was feeling pretty good, and in the last couple of days, things have been a little wonky, and I'm stressed right now because it's the beginning of the school year, and there's all these new things happening in my life. So I just think that's good to remember how much of an impact your mental state and your emotional state has on the way you're processing the food you eat. It goes back to the idea that Alicia shared with the hamburger fast food hamburger versus like perfectly prepared ayurvedic meal but it has to do with how you eat it yeah and i think 
what's most important with this too is not just having compassion for others when discussing this but having compassion for yourself especially yeah, and accepting definitely. the choices you make um and really being easy on yourself when your body isn't receiving food in the way you would want it to i both of us have weird digestive issues <laughs> um very familiar yeah and well and i've had some weird gut stuff going on the past few days and i was like what am i eating what should i be eating differently should i be working out more like what should i be doing to make this go away and now we're talking about stress and i'm like oh this is right? probably why <laughs> and my brain just like doesn't automatically go to that and i think having conversations like this is what's gonna help us again unlearn those ideas about food um but it's yeah. Like, yeah i just am starting a new semester my stress levels are automatically higher than they were a week or two ago right and we've talked about this a little bit before but i think when we think about wellness and taking care of our health, our impulse is to go to, like, what are the, like, all the superfoods and the, like, really fancy practices and practitioners that I can add to my life that are going to solve all my problems. And I think part of that is because we're living in such a fast-paced, like, information overload sort of world. And I think... Most of the time, this is what I've been realizing recently, is I think most of the time what we really need to do is just slow down and rest more and sleep more and drink more water and eat more slowly. It doesn't have to be so complicated. Yeah. And this is something that I totally need to remember because, yeah, I totally fall into that stride for sure. Me too. And the thing is... It's so easy to do those little things like sleep more and drink more water and eat more mindfully. It's not that difficult. You know, you just need to mm -hmm. give yourself a little extra time. I was um, uh, reading an article for a feminist theology class I'm currently taking, but it was about it, it was about like education and how we how we educate people and how multitasking doesn't really exist. And right. <laughs> It was talking about mindfulness and how it's kind of a practice in both Buddhist and Christian traditions and other traditions as well. And um, a professor had his students um, try an exercise where you walk across a room as slowly as possible, like take like 10 minutes to walk across a room mm -hmm. and then to kind of implement that practice throughout your day. So like doing things more slowly and students were, like, able to get more done, even though they were doing things more slowly just because they, like, yeah. felt more sane. And I think that goes along also with just, like, treating our, our bodies that way, too. Like, giving us the time and the space to process things. Um, and that can make all the difference. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. And I think that's so much easier said than done, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know... That I would get more done, probably, and be happier, do things better anyway, even if it's not getting more done, if I would slow down and really do things mindfully. But, like, that's not what I want to do. Oh, I yeah. I want to do all the things. I want to do them quickly. I want to rush through them and try to do a bajillion things at once. And it, I know it doesn't work, but I keep doing it. Yeah, that's been something I have been thinking about a lot since coming back to school. Like, my tendency when studying 
is to divide things. I have a lot of reading homework because I'm in humanities courses. So my big thing is like, how many pages can I read as fast as I can? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like 10 minute chunks. Like, here we go. Always checking the <laughs> clock. And instead, I, when I actually enjoy the text I'm reading and actually internalize it, even though I'm not necessarily going faster, I'm enjoying it more and I feel less stressed. Yeah. So I'm like, why am I not doing that all right. the time? And the thing is, like, and I, you feel like you need to do all the reading in college for a class discussion and. In an ideal world, you would, but sometimes there is not enough time to read like 300 pages or whatever you're supposed to read by the next day. (laughs) But I think like reading a piece of that reading slowly, even if you don't get to the whole thing, but if you read it slowly and like really process what you're reading, you're probably going to have a lot more to contribute the next day than if you skim through the whole thing and you're just like, check it off your to-do list. I read the whole thing now. But you don't remember, remember anything, anything that you read. <laughs> yep. Like, that happens all the time. Oh, yes. That's very familiar to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, tying this back to the food issue, I think I think this idea of, like, mindfulness and going slower and just giving yourself time to relax, it's so, it's so unintuitive because of, like, the fast-paced world we live in. Right. I mean, the standard is to go, 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 and everything is at our fingertips immediately, um, and we barely have time for meals. But I think if, again, it's just resisting these these norms of the way we live in order to kind of reorient our thinking about how we're treating our bodies and our minds. Yeah, but I think it's unlearning, like you were mentioning yeah. earlier. It's unlearning the hectic pace with which we feel the need to go about our lives definitely yeah because that's what everything has been telling us are there any other ways you think that we can kind of address this issue of viewing food as a a moral thing well so i think we've covered a few things we covered kind of paying attention to what language we're using and i think that goes for both just thinking or talking to yourself And then what you say to other people, too. And we talked about questioning the assumptions that you're making. And we talked about having compassion. And I think all those are, like, really good, strong foundations. And just one other thing that I would like to bring up in this arena is the idea of creativity. Since that's one of our focuses on Never Wear Boring Socks. And I think that creativity plays into this... And we can use creativity as one of our tools to combat this food being a moral issue problem. Is that we can choose new ways to think and talk about food and our relationship to food and our relationship to our bodies instead of getting stuck in old patterns. Because I think creativity is all about, like, how can we look at this differently? What's a new pathway of thinking that we haven't tried yet? So I think that's important. And then outside of just how we think about food, focusing on our creative outlets, whatever they may be in your life, I think can help us find meaning in areas of our life that are not food in our body and remind us that there is much more to life and 
We are a worthy person outside of whatever we're eating and however our body is shaped. Yeah, for sure. No, I think... Well, it's interesting, too, because I kind of try to grapple with this balance of how much time and energy I spend thinking about food. Because on one hand, food is, like, obviously a really big part of my life, but I also just love... I love eating and I love cooking and I love it's delicious. Right, I love sharing meals with people. And yeah. so food is something I'm thinking about a lot. Like what kind of meals do I want to have? It affects my mood if I'm eating a really good meal. It can mm-hmm. totally put me in a better mood. And so maybe more than some people, I'm thinking about food a lot and oftentimes in a way that it's exciting and what kind of food do I want to be eating and how is it going to make me feel good right now? But on top of that, that I'm always considering kind of what I should be eating or should not be eating. Mm-hmm. And I think I need to kind of find that balance of where I'm I'm considering food as this thing that I'm passionate about in making and consuming, but also recognizing that that is not the only focus of my life because sometimes it can become really yeah. all-consuming. Right. Right, so it's good to have outlets outside of that. For sure. And also thinking about food creatively, too. Like, thinking of cooking and eating as a creative outlet. Right. Rather than just things you're sticking in your body so that you can go on to the next thing. Yeah, like, if you decide to, like, bake a really luxurious cake for yourself. Like, mm, think of all the... I want cre- Yeah, think of all, like, the creative energy and love that went into that cake. Yeah. That is also coming back to you when you get to eat it, too. I mean, it's not this bad thing that you're eating a piece of really sugary cake. There's so much more that you're getting out of it, too. Right. You're getting enjoyment and sensory pleasure and community if you're eating it with other people. Yeah. If you decide to share. Exactly. (laughs) This reminded me that it's my mom's birthday very soon so i am gonna bake her something really delicious soon and i'm very excited to bake it and eat it happy birthday and share it. to my aunt nancy <laughs> yay so this week anna and i would like to challenge our listeners, anyone who is listening to this episode, to pay attention to the language that you're using around food and especially how it relates to the idea of being good or being virtuous or um, how you might be comparing yourself to other people based on what food you're eating or how you interact with food. And this might be a super familiar present topic for you. It might be something you beat yourself up about often. Or maybe it's a little more subtle and it's something that you're not really aware of unless you're looking for it. So I would challenge you this week to just notice it and take a moment when you notice it to ask yourself, is this really what you believe? Is this what you want to continue believing? And how is that belief serving you? And do you want to choose a different thought? So let us know what you notice if you try that. Or also just let us know if anything from this episode resonated with you. Does it feel familiar? Is this a new idea? Do you have anything you want to add? 
We'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts. You can find us at... <laughs> I just said at, and then I was like, can you say at Instagram? That sounds very strange. You can find us on Instagram at Never Wear Boring Socks or on Facebook at Never Wear Boring Socks. We're also on Twitter at No Boring Socks. And our email is neverwearboringsocks at gmail.com. Yeah, we would really love to hear from you guys about this. Um, this is a topic that I want to continue discussing with other people. Yeah, and I want to yeah, see I, I want to see what other people are thinking about this, because obviously Maria and I are kind of on the same page, but I want to get different opinions and perspectives on this. So please let us know what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Do you have a quote for us this week, Maria? I do. So this was hard to choose a quote because I decided to find a quote. I was going to go to Isabel Fox and Duke's website, and we've talked about her a little bit before in our body image episode, I think. And she's a a coach around intuitive eating and healing your relationship with food. So she has a lot of words of wisdom. But there was one that, one thing that she said that kind of struck me as a new idea that I hadn't really heard before that I wanted to throw out there. She says, I'm not sure emotional eating is a bad thing. In fact, I think it might be my guardian angel. I know this is the part where you think I'm a crazy person, but hang on a sec. Emotional eating is an attempt to deal with a tough problem, feeling, or situation we don't otherwise know how to deal with, and often don't even know that we have without some kind of symptom to remind us. And then there's some stuff, and then she goes on to say, we can see emotional eating for, <clears throat> excuse me, for what it is, an alert that something in our life needs our attention, something completely unrelated to food or our weight. And I really love this idea because I think we didn't even really get into emotional eating and that whole topic in this episode, but I think that's very related to this idea of food being good or bad because we tend to associate like the foods that we eat when we're upset are the quote unquote bad foods that are bad for us and we're doing a bad thing and we feel guilty about it later. But I totally agree with her that it's not even usually about the food. I think it totally is a symptom of some other larger issue that's going on in your life. Like you're stressed about something or something else doesn't feel right in your life. So you're using this as a coping mechanism. And I think just viewing it as a coping mechanism rather than a bad thing that you did because you're a bad person with no self-control allows us to look at it in a new way and think about, well, what, like, what is this behavior? What are these feelings trying to tell me? And how can I take action based on that? For sure. Yeah, I think it could be definitely a, a sort of signal. And I also don't think, I think it's helpful to listen to those signals, but also be grateful that we are receiving them. I think mm -hmm. sometimes we can recognize those symptoms, but then we think, oh, so on top of the fact that I'm eating this bad thing, I also should deal with this other thing in my life. But instead, I think it's really helpful to acknowledge that 
the food that you're eating right now is a way that you're, again, coping with the thing that you're struggling mm-hmm. with and to be appreciative of your body that it's letting you know that that's what you need right now. And then to find other ways to address the issue as well. Thanks for listening to Never Wear Boring Socks this week, Creative Souls. If you are enjoying the podcast, please take a couple minutes to leave us a review and make sure to subscribe if you want to be reminded when next week's episode comes out. We will be talking about spirituality and how that fits into wellness and possibly into creativity as well. Because wellness and creativity are related. (gasps) Ha ha ha. Ha ha. The focus of our entire podcast. And thank you also to Ben Ramsey, the cheese beast, for editing our audio and for helping with our music. And thank you to Martha Barnard for the mandolin music. Show notes for this episode will be at mariacatherine.com slash podcast slash 042. And Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. We hope you'll join us next week. And until then, never wear boring socks. And thank you to Bar- Bar- <laughs> Bartha Barnard. Bartha Barnard. <laughs>